We're in chapter 4 this week, but I just want to back up to chapter 3. In chapter 3, at the very end, John says, chapter 3, verse 24, he says, Those who obey his commands live in him, and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the spirit he gave us. And so number 13 on our list of how we know we're a Christian, how we know we're saved, is a Christian has the Holy Spirit and is guided by him. We know that Jesus lives in us by the Holy Spirit. And so this morning, we're going to start at the end there. We already read it, chapter 3, verse 24. And follow along as I read that verse again, and we read down through chapter 4. He says, once again, we're going to start in 1 John, chapter 3, verse 24. Those who obey his commands live in him, and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the spirit he gave us. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you can recognize the spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, but every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them, because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. They are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God, and whoever knows God listens to us, but whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. We know that we live in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in him and he in God. And so we know and rely on the love, on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. In this way, love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment because in this world we are like him. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment, and the one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he is a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. And he has given us this command, whoever loves God must also love his brother. And so I thought it would be good this morning to take a moment, a few minutes here, to talk about the Holy Spirit. We said number 13, we know it, uh, the verse says, we know it by the Spirit of God. So we know we are Christians because we have the Holy Spirit. We want to talk about that just for a short time here. And, and I think what John is doing, remember, once again, remember, this is a letter this is a letter. You read it as such. And so his thoughts continue on. And John is making a contrast here between the Spirit with a capital S, the Holy Spirit, 
and spirits with a lowercase s. And so that's the contrast John's making. At its root, the word spirit means breath, a breeze, ghost. It's from the Greek word pneuma. Now, you may have heard the word pneumonia, right? Pneumonia, can't breathe. It's, a, it's the disease of the lungs. And so it's the same, if you go back even farther, it's the same, word, same root. It's this pneuma, so breath, breathe. So that's what spirit means. And so that should give us a picture in our mind of what and how the Holy Spirit works. Now, you can't really see a breeze, can you? If, if we walked outside this morning and we looked at the trees, the leaves would be moving. You see the leaves moving, but do you actually see the breeze that's blowing the leaves? How about when you have a, a hot cup of coffee, right? And you're, you're cooling it down, right? Your breath is doing work. It's cooling that coffee down, but do you see your breath? Now, sometimes on a cold morning, you walk out, you see your breath, but for the most part, we don't see our breath. And so when we think about the Holy Spirit, it's God, part of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and we say it's not, he's not, it's not an it, right? God, the Holy Spirit's not an it, it's a he. He, the Holy Spirit, does this work, and we see him moving in this world. And so... John, as he writes this letter, makes this differentiation, this, this cuts this line between the spirit with a capital S and the spirit of this world. If you read back in Acts chapter 2, and on Wednesday nights we're going through Acts, so it, it's, it, the folks that come on Wednesday night, this is fresh in your mind. In Acts chapter 2, we talked about the Holy Spirit coming upon the disciples. And when the Holy Spirit came upon the disciples, it was a violent wind filled the room. They're sitting in a room, and a violent wind fills the room when the Holy Spirit comes upon them. And so, as John talks about this Holy Spirit, he doesn't pull this idea of God the Spirit out of thin air. John speaks about the Holy Spirit because Jesus spoke about the Holy Spirit. And we're going to look at that here in John chapter 3, if you want to back. So we're in 1 John. You go back to the Gospel of John, John chapter 3. Jesus has something to say about the Holy Spirit. And so as we read the letter of 1 John, we need to know, well, what about the Holy Spirit? And so Jesus teaches us. And this is probably a familiar story. It's a story of Nicodemus. And we're not going to read through the whole thing because we just want to check out what Jesus has to say about the Holy Spirit. But uh, it's a very familiar passage, has John 3.16 in it, right? But we're going to look at verses 1 through 8. So John chapter 3. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the miraculous signs you are doing if God were not with him. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. How can a man be born again when he is old, Nicodemus asked. Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and of the spirit. 
Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from, where it comes from, or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. And so there's that idea. We see the Holy Spirit's work. We see the Holy Spirit's work in, in this world, in our lives. And John is going to contrast that with the spirit of the world. And so in, in John chapter 3 there, I want you to see the work of the spirit in a believer. The Holy Spirit gives the Christian a new birth, right? We hear that term, born again. Well, that comes from the Holy Spirit. It's a new birth from the Holy That change in a believer that, that idea of, of being born again is a work of the Spirit. And so a new life, a new attitude, comes when we are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. The conviction that we talked about earlier in this series also comes from the Holy Spirit. And so we believe the Spirit is God, and we be believe in the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and Jesus, he explains to Nicodemus here in verses 7 and 8, don't be surprised when you see the work of the Spirit. We can hear the sound of the wind. We know it's there because we can see its work. And so, because we can see the work of the Spirit, we know he's with us. And he changes lives. The Holy Spirit, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit changes our life. In John 16, 13, it says, this is once again, Jesus talking about the Holy Spirit. Like I said, John didn't come up with this on his own. Jesus speaking about the Holy Spirit in John 16, 13 says, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. And so as we look back and we get, continue on, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, as Christians, will guide us into truth. Uh, Christians have discernment in what is true and what is false. And that takes us back, then, to 1 John. Sorry I have you jumping around here this morning, but it's good to get an idea of how to look at the Holy Spirit, who the Holy Spirit is. And so, in 1 John... John issues us a warning, a caution. Uh, again, 1 John chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Spirits with a small s. Because many false prophets have gone in, out into the world. This is how you can recognize the spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And so two spirits at work, the Holy Spirit and the spirit of the world or the spirit of Antichrist at work in this world. Those who are against Christ and of the devil and those who have the true Holy Spirit of God. Now the spirit of Antichrist is not necessarily an individual because John calls it the spirit of Antichrist. It's a movement. It permeates the world. And so John warns these believers of this other spirit. This spirit of Antichrist also has false prophets who are Antichrists themselves. 
And so they're going to try to lead this group of believers astray. And so John says, test them. Test these spirits. Test the spirits to see whether they are from God in chapter 4, verse 1. And so we're Christians. I hope we all are Christians here. If not, you need to talk with somebody after the service, okay? But as a Christian, we have the Holy Spirit. We have God's Word. And guess what? From that, we can discern truth. We know what truth is. And so we can discern a false prophet. We can discern false teaching. And it's no surprise that false prophets and this this spirit of Antichrist that's against Jesus tells lies. That's not a surprise. They're liars. And so they make claims, these false prophets, this spirit of Antichrist, they make claims about Jesus that aren't true or outright deny him. Now, Peter writes a letter, and he says the same thing John's saying. So listen to uh, what Peter has to say about these, this, these false prophets in 2 Peter chapter 2. Peter says, But there were also false prophets among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you. They will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who bought them bringing swift destruction upon themselves. Many will follow their shameful ways and will bring the way of truth into disrepute. In their greed, these teachers will exploit you with stories they have made up. Their condemnation has long been hanging over them and their destruction has not been sleeping. Peter makes the same warning. John's warning us. He's warning these folks. He's warning us, watch out for false teachers. How am I going to figure out who a false teacher is? Through the Holy Spirit, through his word, discernment, we know the truth. And so these folks, these antichrists, these false prophets, false teachers, whatever you want to call them, they're going to make claims about Jesus that aren't true. Remember back in, as Pastor Matt went through Jeremiah, the book of the prophet of Jeremiah, this is not a new problem. False prophecy, false prophets, false teachers is not a new prophet. Jeremiah, back in Jeremiah 28, 15, confronted a false prophet whose name was Hananiah. Because Hananiah was telling the people of Judah, everything's okay. I got a word from God and everything's okay. Jeremiah confronts Hananiah and he says, that's, that's a lie. That's not true. That's not from God. I'm telling you, Jeremiah is telling you, guess what? Destruction is coming if you don't repent and change. Hananiah is saying, everything's okay. God says it's okay. Well, guess what? Who is the true prophet? Jeremiah. How do we know he's the true prophet? Because guess what? They got punished, right? Exactly what, ha- uh, what Jeremiah said was going to happen, happened. And so we need to use discernment on who we believe, who we're listening to. Uh, many claim to know or believe Jesus, but then I would ask the question, what Jesus? 
There are lots of false teachers, false prophets out there that claim Jesus. But when you start digging into their beliefs, they don't believe in the same Jesus a Christian does. And so John here, he's talking about Jesus Christ, the Son of God, God himself, the Son. And I've already said it, there are false religions that say, yes, I believe in Jesus, but then they add something to it. They say, well, I believe in Jesus, but he was created. He was a created being, just like you and I. That doesn't work. That's fake. Jesus cannot be a created being. He has to be God. You know why? Because if Jesus is created, doesn't that mean he can fall? Just like us? We're created beings and we fell. The angels were created beings and they fell. If Jesus is a created being, he could fall. And so as a Christian, we have to believe that Jesus Christ is God because we know he cannot fall. That's where our salvation lies in the fact that Jesus Christ cannot fall. He is the creator, not the created. And so there's all kinds of heresy out there. These people claim Jesus. The other, the other uh, big heresy, yep, you believe in Jesus. You believe in Jesus for salvation, plus. Well, yeah, you believe in Jesus, but you need to do this too. Or you believe in Jesus, but you, know, you, better, you better do this and that and the other thing, or you're not saved. That's not what the Bible says. It's not Jesus plus something. It's not Jesus plus works. That's false teaching. And so we only, as Christians, we only need Jesus, not Jesus plus. And so discern, that's the warning, discern. Now, technology can be a wonderful thing, right? Right, my phone's laying there. Actually, as I was putting this sermon together, right, I, I wanted to look up a Bible verse. I got a Bible app on my phone, right? <laughs> I don't need to get out of my, a separate Bible. I can get on my Bible app, right? Or I, I, a verse comes to mind, and boy, I can't quite place it. I, I Google that verse, and guess what? It pops up, and it tells me where that verse is. Technology can be a wonderful thing, but it can also be a terrible thing, right? Because everyone can reach everybody. So you think about false prophets, false prophecy, and it doesn't even have to be internet. It can be your television or your radio. False prophets and false prophecy is out there everywhere. Technology can spread it everywhere. And so, just a quick example, on the way home from work, or at work the other day at lunchtime, I was scrolling through my phone. I read this article by an interview with a pastor, and I thought, I don't know. Some of the things he was saying, I'm just kind of like, eh, not sure where he's at. So I thought, Technology's great, right? I type in his name on Google. I find his website. I start reading through his website. And I'm just like, eh. Right? We can discern. The Holy Spirit gives us the opportunity to discern. We can see those things. And something just seemed, I'd like to talk to the guy, find out exactly where he stands. But, you know, I don't know him enough. I just, you know, it's, but we can do that. As Christians, we have the opportunity 
and the resources through the Holy Spirit and God's Word to discern what's right and wrong. And even if that comes to checking up on a pastor, a teacher, somebody that writes a book that claims to be Christian, we can check up. We know what's right and wrong. Jesus, back in Matthew 10, 16, as he's sending his disciples out, he, sends, he says to them, I'm sending you out as sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and innocent of do- as doves. It's kind of weird that Jesus say be as shrewd as snakes, but that's how, it's, how he says it. And what does he mean by that? What does he mean by that? Be shrewd as snakes. Be wary, right? Pay attention. See what's going around, on around you, right? Test things. But be as innocent as doves, right? So um, um, as a Christian, we are to have compassion. We are to have good works. We are to be, care about people. But on the flip side of that, being as innocent as doves, we need to discern. We need to check things out, make sure they are from God. And so John, as he writes this letter, Uh, he talks, he's giving a warning, right? Sometimes we hear the name of Jesus or we hear the term Christian and we automatically assume that it's good. What if it's a false prophet? What if it's a false teacher? We better check it out. And so John, as he writes, everything he talks about, he's telling us, he's giving us confidence in our Christianity But where is that built on? That confidence is built on Jesus Christ and him alone. It's built on Jesus and who he is. It's not a kind of Jesus, or it's not Jesus plus, it's Jesus Christ. And so, as we go out into the world, as John's writing to these these Christians, pay attention, be careful. Who are we listening to? What are we looking at? Is it from God, or is it from the spirit of this world? Verses 4 and 5 there, it says, You dear children are from God and have overcome them. That's the spirit of this world, the spirit of Antichrist. You have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. They are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God, and whoever knows God listens to us, but whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. You dear children, us dear children, are from God. God is greater. We have overcome the world through Jesus. The world is the world. When you look at the world without Christ, everyone's looking to get ahead. Everyone is looking to get a step in front of the other person. Everyone's looking to take advantage of the other person. It's the world. That's how it works. Humans are fallen. The world has fallen. Satan's out there. And Satan's even in here. (gasps) What? Satan's amongst the church? Yeah, right? If you look back in 1 John, he says, they went out from us. These antichrists went out from the church. 
And so Satan's even here. It's sad. But there, back then, same as today, there are antichrists among the church. So everything that claims Jesus or claims to be Christian is not. There are false teachers. And we need to discern that. And the world speaks like the world. That's how the world works. We all know how the world works. And sometimes with us, that division between the world and being a Christian gets blurred. And so we ally ourselves with things of the world that are not of Christ. Um, We ally ourselves with things of the world that's not following God. And so we just need to be careful. This is a warning to be careful. Verse 6 says, we are from God, and whoever knows God listens to us, but whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. We are from God, so discern, pay attention, we have the truth. John doesn't tell us to stick our head in the sand. John tells us to test the spirits. True people of God speak true things from God, just like Jeremiah, remember that? I said, if you can go back and read it, right? Pastor Matt just preached through the book of John, or Jeremiah, I mean. And Jeremiah was speaking the truth. The other guy wasn't. The other guy, what did he do? As the false prophet, he tickled people's ears, right? He told them what they wanted to hear, and it sounded good. And so that's what we got to pay attention for. And two, what is the truth? Who's tickling our ears? Is it somebody truly from God, or is it a false prophet? And so we need to be, pay close attention to that as Christians. And so that's John's warning. And he switches gears in verse 7 to back to John's, what he harps on. John wants us to get this. He wants these believers to get this. In verse 7 there in chapter 4, he says, Dear friends, let us love one another for the for love comes from God. And so, John, he kind of closes that thought, that warning about discernment, and he goes back to love. And he wraps up this idea of love, and, and it encompasses a lot, a lot of, what of what he's already said, what we've already said, but we need to hear it again. As we've went through this, as we've went through this book, this letter of John, we find a lot of love. That's, that's, John always hammers that. And so, once again, he does that. After he gives the warning in chapter 4, he comes back to love. Look at verse 7 there again. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. True love is from God and nowhere else. We are born of God. Remember Nicodemus? We are born of God, we are born again, and true love comes from God. Verse 8, whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. If you don't love, you don't know God. Why? Because God is love. It's very simple. What, what, What John's saying here is not hard to understand. This is how, verse 9, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. 
This is love, not as we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Why do we... If you want to see God's love, where do you look? If it's me, and I hope you guys, you look to Jesus, right? If you want to see God's love, you look to Jesus. Because you look to that cross. He went to that cross so we could live. He paid the penalty for that, our sin. That's love. The penalty was death. We have life because he loved us. That's where you look for love. You look to Jesus. You look at the cross. Uh, Verses 11 12. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we are also to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and has and his love is made complete in us. Love one another because God loves us. That's how we know God lives in us, and it's complete. Our love, our love as Christians, or should be as Christians, as brothers and sisters in Christ, our love should be a manifestation of God's love in us. It should be an outpouring of God's love through us. And, you know, as we read through this, this sounds very much like the list that we made as we've, been, as we've been going through this. Listen close. Verse 13. We know that we live in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit. Right? That was our, our last point of, of how do we know we're a Christian. We have the spirit. There it is. Verses 14 and 15. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in him and he in God. Remember number one? We believe in Jesus and who he is. There it is. We believe in who Jesus is. The Father sent the Son to save the world. Verse 16. And we know... And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. As Christians, as believers in Christ, we rely on God. We we can't rely on ourselves. We're fallen. We will screw up. We have to rely on God. Verse 17 in this way, love is made complete and complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment because in this world we are like him. Be confident in your salvation. We are children of God. Believe that Jesus took those sins away from us. That allows us to be a child of God. So be confident as a Christian. Verse 18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. Christians, don't be afraid. Easier to say than do, right? But we need to be confident. We need to trust in God. The world might be a scary place, but what does John tell us here? God is greater. He's greater than our hearts. He's greater than the world. Isn't, if you think about it, what is fear? Isn't fear a lack of trust in God? Right? I thought about that a little bit. I'm like, ooh. That's, that's, right? We need to look at ourselves, <laughs> right? If I'm afraid, and right, I, it happens. I get afraid. Fear's a lack of trust in God. So who do we turn to then when we're scared? 
We turn to God. We turn to Jesus. Um, we're saved, right? We are saved. We have nothing to fear. Jesus is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And to close out this chapter, verses 19 through 21, we love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he is a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, and whom he has not seen. And he has given us this command, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Remember that command that we spoke about back last chapter, back in chapter 1, that John talks about the new command that's the old command, that's the old command, that's the new command, that command. What was that command? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's the command. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Those are commands, not options for a Christian. And so that's what we're to do. We're to love one another. So as we close to this morning, close today, just two things. Just two things. Be wary, right? Test the spirits. When, we're, when we hear something, when we look at something, we have the opportunity to test the spirits. The Holy Spirit in us and God's word will tell us what's right and wrong, what truth is and what false is. So test the spirits. And number two, love. Love. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Love your neighbor as yourself.